This is the Pat O'Keefe Show on 98.7 ESPN. Well, if you weren't already fired up for kickoff later this afternoon, maybe this intro music will help you out a little bit. It is game day, and it is a day that Giants fans have been waiting for for six long, painful years. A Giants playoff game is now just hours away. Pat O'Keefe with you. We got an hour and a half to spend together talking about this game and everything else going on in the NFL playoffs. Obviously, a lot of focus on the Giants and Vikings and their 4.30 kickoff this afternoon in Minneapolis. Uh, After our hour and a half together, uh, stick around because we've got Knicks basketball, one of the hottest teams in the NBA, the Knicks in Detroit, to take on the Pistons. So that's my afternoon, and I'm very happy to uh, get it started right here and spend it with you. Of course, the number to call, as always, 1-800-919-3776. The Giants and the Vikings, the second of three wild card games today. In a little less than two hours in Buffalo, it will be an emotional and raucous environment as the Bills take the field against the Miami Dolphins. Then you've got the Giants and the Vikes at 4.30. And the nightcap this evening, another divisional matchup, one of three this weekend in Cincinnati between the Bengals and the Ravens, who, of course, will be playing without former MVP quarterback Lamar Jackson. It is a day that... At the beginning of this season, if you're a Giants fan and you're being honest with yourself, you didn't think you'd be experiencing this soon. The hope when they finally moved on from Dave Gettleman, when they finally got rid of Joe Judge, and I say finally, he was only here for two years, but it felt like longer than that. It, it The hope was obviously in January, you hire Joe Shane as your new general manager a young, fresh outlook uh, from a program that kind of built it the right way in Buffalo over the last five years. Obviously, he wasn't at the top of the food chain there, but he was number two on the depth chart in their front office. And then a week later, uh, the hiring of Brian Dable. And that January day, and I've gone back to it a lot. I was there for both of those press conferences, first Shane and then Dable a week later. And you you don't like to make too much of introductory press conferences. You know, there's that old cliche, he won the press conference. What does that actually mean? You know, when Brian Dayball first introduced himself to the New York media and to the New York Giants fans, I, I said it at the time, I don't think he could have made a better first impression. Uh, the confidence, and I always call with Dable the swagger that this guy has, uh, the sense of humor, both self-deprecating um, and quick-wittedness, that to me has always been a sign of intelligence. He certainly had that, and it was in direct contrast with the two men, really the three men who had preceded him in that head coaching job. I mean, you go back from Joe Judge to Pat Shermer and to Ben McAdoo before him, None of those three guys would have ever won a press conference. Dable did it right off the bat. And I remember my initial takeaway from this guy was, I don't know if he can coach. He obviously was a successful offensive coordinator. But how much of that was Josh Allen and the physical gifts that he has? And how much of it was Brian Dable? I don't know if he could be a head coach was my initial thought that day. But I like this guy and I like his confidence And if nothing else, that gave me and a lot of other people, I think, the reason to give this guy a chance. And and my first impressions in this case, and they're not always right. Nobody's are, especially my 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 first impressions were exactly what this guy has been all season long. Really, his next big moment after that was the Tennessee game in uh, the first week of the season and the first half of that game. If you if you trace this entire journey of the Giants and you hope obviously it doesn't end today but the fact that it continues until today really speaks volumes about the job that certain people have done first and foremost Brian Dable and that first half against the Tennessee game it was literally same old Giants Daniel Jones didn't get enough time to throw there was the propensity to make a mistake the Giants were three and out three and out three and out they couldn't move the ball at all against the Titans And then something clicked in the second half of that game. Saquon Barkley uh, broke for a big play, 
and that got the Giants on the board after trailing 13 to nothing. And from that point on, this kind of entire season has been a magic carpet ride for this Giants team. Now, when you go back to before the season, and look, raise your hand if you told me before the Giants set foot on the field for a regular season game that you thought we'd be talking about a Giants playoff game this weekend. Raise your hand, call me up, let me know, because I would like to congratulate you if you thought that was a possibility, because I don't think anybody did. Now, I, among many, thought it could be better, and there were reasons for that. You know, number one is Dayball. You know, I, I liked him. I wanted to give him a chance. He wasn't Joe Judge. He wasn't Pat Shermer. He wasn't Ben McAdoo. So right off the bat, he was starting off on the right foot there. You had Saquon Barkley. They always say the second year coming off of a knee injury, that is when a explosive runner like Barkley really starts to return to form. Well, we've seen that. That gave us hope at the beginning of the season, and that played out. You also had these draft picks. Look, Dave Gettleman, uh, I'm not sitting here to change the narrative on his tenure here. It was bad. It was beyond bad. We know that. However, all right, since he has left the building, certain decisions that he has made have aged quite well. Now, the controversial trade... Uh, with the Chicago Bears was good and bad. Look, he moved up and he get that extra draft pick. Excuse me, he moved back in the trade with the Bears to get the extra draft pick. The pick that Gettleman made, Kadarius Toney, was a complete bust and certainly not his only bust of a first-round draft pick. However, by netting the Giants the extra pick this past season, you get Evan Neal to fortify your offensive line. So the Giants had the fifth pick and the seventh pick in the draft. They did very well. They were in a situation where there was so much talent at the top of that draft. The Giants had so many needs and holes to fill on their roster. It was almost difficult to screw up those draft picks. It would be difficult for Dave Gettleman himself to screw up those draft picks. Fortunately, he wasn't the man making those decisions. So you get Thibodeau and you get Evan Neal, and that gives you a little bit more confidence going into the season. Andrew Thomas had a really good second year after there were questions about him his first season. So Thomas coming back this year, healthy on one side of the line, Neal on the other side of the line. Okay, now we can finally see what Daniel Jones has to offer. And then the biggest reason why there was hope for this Giants team at the beginning of the season was the schedule. And I've spoken to Jordan Renan, countless times and he rightfully so always goes back to the schedule and that's where you figured okay at Tennessee opening week that's a tough place to play but then you get home games against Carolina Dallas Chicago you went to Jacksonville you went to Seattle you had home games against Houston and Detroit at the beginning of the season. You never know how a season is going to play out. But at the beginning of the season, there were wins out there for the Giants. And I say this, and it's true in every sport. It's true in Major League Baseball. It is true in the NBA. It is true in the NFL. Playoff teams that don't have overwhelming talent. Playoff teams are built on winning games that you should win. And that is where the Giants have made their living this season. By and large, they have won the games that they should win. And that is something that the Giants didn't do at all for the last five years. All those toss-up games where you're going in and it's a two-point spread or a three-point spread, either way, that's a toss-up game to me. That means it's a game that you have a chance to win, all right? For five years, the Giants didn't win any of those. And obviously, the Giants never won the games that they weren't supposed to win. So what did that add up to for five years? It added up to the Giants never winning football games. They had the worst record in the NFL over that five-year span, equal to that of the New York Jets. Well, that all changed, and it changed in week one. It changed against the Titans. And did that two-point conversion, the decision to go for two at the end of the game, change the entire tone for the season? In hindsight, I really think you can say it did. And it wasn't just the decision to go for two. 
You know, you see coaches all the time. You know, the idiot in Los Angeles who should be the soon-to-be ex-coach of the Chargers, Brandon Staley. That guy goes for two all the time, or he goes for it on fourth down all the time. He's never got a plan on what to do. His big plan is, all right, we're going to go for it. But for Dayball in Tennessee in week one, not only going for two, but dialing up the perfect play using the resources that he has, which at that point were Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones on the ground. And that is what this team has been built on all season long. They don't have a ton of strengths, especially on offense, but he and Mike Kafka have been brilliant at utilizing what strengths this team has. And that's how we've gotten to this point today. Now, you look at this game against Minnesota, and the only thing that gives you pause, or the main thing that gives you pause, is the fact that everybody likes the Giants in this matchup. And that's just the cynic in me. When everybody likes something, it seems like it might be too good to be true. But then let's look at it from another perspective. Maybe everybody is on the Giants, whether it's getting the three points or to win the game outright. And we're not talking about gambling here. We're talking about winning this game, all right? Maybe everybody is on the Giants because everything is lining up for them to win this game, and the expectation is that they should win this game. Maybe it's so clear to everybody that the Giants should win this game because they should win this game. And the expectations of this team have certainly changed. Are the Giants playing with house money today? The easy answer is yes, for all the reasons I listed before. Right? The fact that they're playing a playoff game today is by far and away beyond the wildest dreams of even the most optimistic Giants fan at the beginning of the season. Okay? But the expectations have changed based on a number of factors. We have now seen this team operate through a 17-game regular season. We've seen the highs. We've seen them go more than a month without winning a football game. And we've seen them finish the season. And it's funny because they lost two of their last three games. But we, the, the, they showed us something positive in all three of those games, including the one on Christmas Eve against today's opponent. So because they're playing the Vikings and they're not playing the Eagles and they're not playing the Cowboys, who they've had trouble with this season, and they're not in San Francisco playing the 49ers, because it is the Vikings, that to me takes away the thought of they're playing with house money. They're not playing with house money. All right, if you get past today... You go to Philadelphia next week. Now you're in the divisional round. The expectations next week wouldn't be that you should win that game. I would certainly give them a chance, but that wouldn't be the expectation. That, to me, would be house money. This isn't house money. Giants at San Francisco this weekend, if it matched up that way, that would be house money. San Francisco's a phenomenal team. We saw it yesterday in the second half as they pulled away from Seattle, even with a seventh-round draft pick at quarterback who accounted for four touchdowns, they're a scary team. That's not who the Giants get in the first round. The Giants get a team they played three weeks ago. They played right down to the wire. It took that team on their home field a 61-yard field goal at the buzzer from a shaky place kicker to hold off the Giants. The Giants made mistakes in that game that are uncharacteristic of how they have played this season. Another way you combat a lack of talent on the offensive side of the football is to limit mistakes. You play to your strengths, Dayball has done that, and you limit your mistakes, and Daniel Jones has done that. But in that game, they had three costly mistakes. Jones threw that interception in the red zone. Bellinger fumbled the ball heading into the red zone. And then, of course, the blocked punt in the fourth quarter that set the Vikings up in Giants territory. Despite those three mistakes, which for the most part this season are uncharacteristic of this Giants team, they still had a chance to win that game. And if that game went into overtime, the Giants had all the momentum. Who doesn't think the Giants were going to win that game? Well, they have another chance less than a month later with much bigger stakes. 
It's a Vikings team that's 13-4, and four, and we all know they have a negative point differential. That is unprecedented for a team with that record. That tells you that it's not that they're due, but that it's not smooth sailing for this team. There are flaws with this team. And you look at the Vikings, and they're injured, especially on their offensive line. The Giants are as healthy as they've been all season. I mean, the way that Dayball coached these last really four weeks, going back to the Washington game on the Sunday night where they got a couple breaks late with the whistles, but they took advantage of those. Into Minnesota, proving to everybody that the Giants are a team that teams are not going to want to face in the playoffs. The following week against Indianapolis, they had a chance to finally cement their spot in the playoffs, and it was kind of a coronation. They left no doubt against a beleaguered Colts team. And even last week, and the fact that the Giants in week 18, I remember the conversation in early December as you're trying to find the one or two wins the Giants are going to need to get into the playoffs at the end of the season. A lot of people thought that that Week 18 game in Philadelphia would be won. Why? Because the Eagles would have nothing to play for. They would have had the number one seed wrapped up. You'd have no Jalen Hurts. You'd have uh, no starters on defense. They would all be in bubble wrap. As it turned out, that game meant so much to the Eagles. And it meant nothing to the Giants. And the Giants handled it perfectly. No Jones, no Barkley, no Thibodeau, no Ojolari, no Thomas. It was, and, and on top of all that, it was a one-possession game. Inside the two-minute warning, the Giants taking an onside's kick. So they treated the game with respect. They put a scare in the Eagles. They made them keep Jalen Hurts on the field the entire game. And they rested their guys. And as a result, the injury report on Thursday and Friday for the Giants did not have a single name on it. And that is another reason why the expectations for this team have changed. They're not playing with house money. This is a team, excuse me, this is a game that the Giants frankly should win today. They have a wonderful chance to win this game today. We know that. We've known that all week. Now, what concerns you? There's concerns, obviously. What concerns you? I'm curious. What are your thoughts on this game today? 1-800-919-3776. We'll take a break. We'll open up the phone lines, and we'll get some uh, preview analysis about the game. We'll hear from Jordan Renan. He was on uh, earlier today on uh, New York Game Day. Uh, we'll hear from the Giants as well. Uh, Wink Martindale, he's going to have a big hand in this game today. Uh, Brian Dayball, plenty more as we head up to Knicks pregame at 1230. It's Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show on 98.7 ESPN. I'm excited. Obviously, I know it's a playoff game. More attention, more eyes. But to me, I won't be nervous. Will I have, you know, just some, will I be hyped? Yeah, I get hyped for every single game. But nerves, I wouldn't say that. For me, it's just another football game. I talked to Strahan when he was here not too long ago. And I asked him, I was like, what's really different between playoff football? And obviously, like, the intensity rises and all that. But the biggest, best advice he gave me was just don't make the game bigger than it needs to be. I'm, just, I'm keeping that advice, sticking with that advice. That's Saquon Barkley. Any nerves for this game today? That you know, that's that's Barkley to a T right there. You know, he's the kind of guy you feel is built for this moment, and it's finally here for him. Five seasons in the NFL. Uh, he played 16 games this year, which is the most that he's played since his rookie year of 2018. Would have played the entire season if Dayball didn't hold him out for that final game in Philadelphia, and it's his first chance on this stage. It's Daniel Jones's first chance on this stage at the end of his fourth regular season. So uh, a lot of firsts for the Giants today, a lot of inexperience on this Giants team. Will that be a factor? I, I don't know. Um, it's obviously two rookie head coaches, Dayball and uh, Kevin O'Connell of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, you just look at the, the two teams and how they match up against each other. What's the biggest thing that concerns you about the Vikings? Obviously, it's their passing game, and it's it's Justin Jefferson. You know, the Vikings, in, in many ways, are, are similar to the Giants in that they've won so many close games, and every game they play seems to be tight, except for a couple that the Vikings were blown out in. And for the most part, well, for the most part, in 
the Giants case, they pull out those close games. And it's almost 100% this year that the Vikings have pulled out these close games. That's how you get to 13-4 and four with a negative point differential. But they're also very different in the fact that you look at their skill position players. I mean, the Giants have been playing with a hodgepodge of wide receivers all season long, which makes what Daniel Jones has done even more impressive. The Vikings have like a fantasy football stud at every position, led by probably the biggest fantasy football stud in the NFL this year in Justin Jefferson as their wide receiver. They have a big play tight end in TJ Hawkinson, Dalvin Cook as their running back. They also have Adam Thielen, who's been a terrific wide receiver in this league for a long time. And say what you want about Kirk Cousins, but what Kirk Cousins does is he puts up numbers in the passing game and he wins more often than he loses. And he has made a career off of that. Has Is he going to be a Hall of Famer? Absolutely not. But Kirk Cousins is a guy. He's a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. And he shows up every Sunday and does it. And he's a guy that you at least have to uh, pay attention to in the passing game. He is a threat, especially with the weapons that he has at his disposal. How do you combat those specific weapons that the Vikings have? you get after the quarterback. And it's been a recipe for success for the Giants for a long time through different coaching regimes, through different defensive coordinators, through different personnel. But the other thing that's happened to the Giants this season, in addition to you know, getting their swagger back, getting their pride back, getting their competitive spirit back, it starts to resemble the Giants teams that have had success during my lifetime and the lifetime of most people who are listening to me right now. Get after the quarterback. Stop the run. Stout defensive play on the line. Now, they have holes to fill going forward, but that's a conversation for a different day. But with Lawrence and Leonard Williams and Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari and these guys, that is the backbone of this Giants defense led by, and you talk about swagger, a defensive coordinator who has made such a huge difference this season in Wink Martindale dialing up these blitzes, dialing up these schemes to compensate for areas in which the Giants are still deficient personnel-wise. And that's the strength of this Giants team. And that's the recipe for beating this Vikings team. If Cousins doesn't have time to throw, because he's not the greatest thrower or passer in the world. He's a guy who is prone to mistakes if pressured. He's a guy who isn't going to use his legs and his escapability. He's a drop back, throw the ball in the area of the best wide receiver in the NFL and let that guy make a play. But if he doesn't have time to drop back and set his feet and eye his target and give his target time to get open, it changes the whole equation for the Minnesota Vikings. They're lost without that. That is their offense. That's their game. And the Giants have the requisite pieces to combat what Minnesota wants to do. It's just a question of are they going to be able to implement that today? All right, let's open up the phone lines, 1-800-919-3776. What, if anything, and there should be things that do give you concern if you're a Giants fan. When I say the expectation should be to win this game, I don't think they're going to go out and win 20-3. to I don't think they're going to go out and win 41-23 to like the 49ers did yesterday. But I think it's a close game, and I think the Giants are a better team. I think the Giants are a better coach team. And in the end, I think those are the things that will make a difference in this game today. Let's start things off with Bill in Queens. Bill, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, sir. Thank you very much for taking my call. So I listen to ESPN Radio all the time. I've heard this phrase, house money, pros and cons, on whatever side you end on it. By definition, playing with house money means you incur no risk. So what? I, I, the Giants are absolutely playing with house money. What is the risk if they lose today? Like, what are you going to – like, if you've been watching them all along, they're 9-17. and 17. They went 5-2-1. and one. The last eight games, they tied with Washington. They got blown out by Philadelphia. I think it was on the 11th of December. They're absolutely – there's no disappointment here. They're not they're, – they're absolutely playing with house money. Bill, I think there is disappointment if they lose to this team today. Now, if you went out to San Francisco – What's the risk? Well, it's, it's not, the risk is the disappointment. I mean, we're not, we're not taking the literal definition of house money because there's not That's money involved in this game. So what's that? 
that's the, the, the definite. That's what no, you're I hear saying. You, but I'm saying we're not, not using you, for, but... for, for for the sake of a, a sports conversation on this radio. And as you said, you listen to ESPN radio all the time, so you should be familiar with this concept. For the sake of that, we're not using the literal definition of house money. House money to me and many others is that you are not going to be disappointed if you lose this game. There are different levels of disappointment after losses. If the Giants lose to this team this afternoon, I think it's going to be a disappointment. I think you will walk away saying this team could have done more. If the Giants' 9-7-1 and record landed them a first-round matchup with San Francisco and you went out there and you couldn't move the ball against their defense and they beat you by 10 points in a hard-fought game, I think you walk away with your head held high and you say, hey, we did all we could do. I'm a, I'm a 50-year-old man. I've seen two Super Bowls. I'm very happy where the Giants are now. I'm not disappointed if they lose today. You could say Minnesota had tight games. They still won the games. Nobody's going back and, like, looking at, like, oh, they won by two or they won by three. Minnesota's 13-4. and four. They won 13 games. You can argue whether they were close games or not. They, you're, you're losing to a 13-14. and 14. And the team, the Giants are a team that many and people, many people will still argue that don't even deserve to be here. Why would they, they argue that? that Daniel Jones who's, who's arguing that? You listen to ESPN Radio. There are callers. There are peers of your own that will say that, Daniel Jones hasn't really proved himself. Say, yeah, there were absolutely people. I listen every day. I listen to Rick and Dave in the morning. I listen to Michael K in the afternoon. There are people that will make will make the stance that the Giants are not a, a, a good team. I do believe that Daniel Jones is the answer. I do believe that Saquon Barkley has proven that he can get past these injuries that he's been riddled with in his career. There was a lot of unknowns at the beginning of the season. A lot of those questions were answered with this season. Nobody thought that they would be in contention to to, to be in the playoffs. Uh, that, that's just how I feel. I, I agree. You, you know, you take my call. No, hold on. Let me ask you this, Bill. I agree with what you said. So there's two levels of disappointment for me. There's disappointment that th- th- there's being disappointed with the season. That is absolutely not going to happen no matter what happens today. It, this season has been a, a resounding success. But – if the Giants don't play well today and they can't get after Cousins and he drops back and Jefferson kills them with three touchdowns and they lose by 17 points, won't you be disappointed with the result in today's game? I don't think that's going to happen. I think that it's going to be a close game. I don't think that it's going to be a disappointment in that sense. I think that uh, Winkle said it yesterday. I heard him interviewed. He's like, got to hit, hit number eight. Got to hit him. That's what you got to do. And that's what they're going to do. Yeah. do. That's the answer. So if they wanted, well, I think the Minnesota won the game with a 61-yard field goal. That guy could kick that field goal ten more times and miss it nine or ten times. I agree. He's he had not a even boot that good half that day. Yeah. So he just happened. The wind just happened to be with him that day. So yeah, if they hang in there and it's not, they don't get blown out. And it's you know they lose by a field goal. I'm not disappointed. Bill, enjoy the game. I, I, I agree. I wouldn't be disappointed in that scenario. I would be disappointed if the Giants don't play their best and they lose. Uh, a game against a team that they on paper are probably better than because they didn't put their best foot forward today. That to me would be disappointment. And it's happened to this team. You know, you go back to the Detroit game. They couldn't get after Jared Goff. The Lions moved the ball up and down the field. You go back to the Philadelphia game. The Giants were non-competitive against Philadelphia. That was a little more than a month ago. Now, a lot of things have changed since then. And that was the low point of the season. It's been all... uh, all good since then for the Giants. I will right, get to more of your calls, uh, and we'll hear from Wink Martindale and more uh, as we continue along this morning. Got another hour to spend together. It's Pat O'Keefe with you on 98.7. It is 98.7 ESPN's Super Box Bonanza 2023. We're giving away over $35,000 in cash and prizes, including a grand prize of $2,000 and a trip to... Uh, Bamimi Bahamas, get your boxes for the big game by listening to weekdays to DPH on Rothenberg from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Barton Hahn from noon to 3 and the Michael K. Show from 3 to 7. This year, we've made every box a super box with over 100 prizes, including solo stoves, Beats headphones, Billy Joel tickets, Amex gift cards, and much more. It is all brought to you by Bartesian Premium Home Cocktail Makers, Slowman's Resorts World, Bamimi in the Bahamas, PC Richard & Son, Grand Marnier, an award-winning blend of fine cognac and orange liqueur, and 98.7 ESPN New York. For full contest details, go to ESPNNewYork.com. 1-800-919-3776 as we continue on game day, a Giants playoff game day here on 98.7 ESPN New York.
This is the Pat O'Keefe Show on 98.7 ESPN. You know, this whole game is going to be about punches and counter punches. And uh, I think you have to continue to change the looks up. But make no mistake about it, number eight needs to be hit. Because, you know, that changes the game. And, and you know, that that's going to be one of our goals. Well, there's the quote that our last caller was referring to. Don Wink Martindale, Giants defensive coordinator on Barton Hahn this week right here on 98.7 ESPN New York. He knows what this game comes down to. Number eight, Kirk Cousins, of course, does need to be hit. He's got a couple of guys who specialize in that department. For example, Kayvon Thibodeau. Oh, I think his potential is just unlimited. I don't even want to put a ceiling on it because – Every week he gets better. Every day he gets better. He's got. A, he's one of those old school rookies. It doesn't even seem like he's a rookie. Uh, he's a natural leader. What he usually sets out to do, he he does. And I, you know, I just I, I love being around the guy. And you know, he's he's made a lot of big plays for us already early in his career. And you know, you just continue to see him get grow every day. Kayvon Thibodeau has been everything and more that the Giants could have hoped for in his rookie season. You can clearly see why at one point one point he was. Uh, considered to be the number one pick in the draft this past season. So you have him on the outside making all kinds of plays. But if you go back through history, the successful Giants team have always had somebody clogging things up on the inside. And on this team, coming off the best season of his career, is another recent first-round draft pick, Dexter Lawrence. I was watching tape, you know, when we first got started way back when. I'm like, this guy's going to be the centerpiece of our defense. And, you know, any any defense that's worth assault, you know, the, you got to have a centerpiece. And he's definitely been that and more because, you know, I was with Ted Washington, let it be, you know, it was at the end, you know, those some of those guys you mentioned. I like the Haloti Nada comparison because of both of them have similar athleticism at that size. It's like, holy, are you kidding me? And he's a great, great guy, and he's, you know, just as happy for his teammates to do well that he is for himself. And uh, he's made his agent really happy. I know that this past year. <laughs> That's Giants defensive coordinator Wink Martindale, who has been as big a part as anybody of changing the culture of this Giants team. Of course, the tone is set by the head coach, Brian Dable. Uh, If you've listened to him during his first season in charge of this football team, uh, you know that before a big game like this, Dable doesn't have a whole lot to say. Today's an important day. We do a lot of situational stuff today. Uh, we'll have our meetings tomorrow morning. We'll get on an airplane. We'll go have some, you know, meetings at night. And then you know, I don't really say a whole lot the night before games. Um, it's a player's game. I say a lot during the week, I'm getting ready. But the night before the game, to me, that's that's a player's time. You know, they're good. We got good leaders in our room, and just let them go out and play. All right, Dayball and the Giants kick off against the Vikings 4.30 this afternoon, the second of three games today. A little more than an hour from now in Buffalo, you have the Bills and the Dolphins, and the nightcap today is an AFC North battle in Cincinnati between the Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens. The Super Wild Card Weekend wraps up tomorrow night, Monday night football from Tampa, the Bucks and the Cowboys on ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Pat O'Keefe with you, getting you set for all the action today. Remember, we have Knicks pregame coming up at 1230 right here. The Knicks will be in Detroit to take on the Pistons. Knicks are 6-1 and one in their last seven games. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Eddie in Brooklyn. What's up, Eddie? Hello? Hey, how are you, Eddie? You're on. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How you doing today? I'm good, thanks. What's on your mind? Listen, I'm, 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 I'm a New York fan all day, every day, like Giants, Jets. But, you know, I got my favorite team, like, when it comes to us. But I want the Giants to win today, right? But while we on the radio acting like the Giants is the better team, the Vikings have a very high potent offense. And and at this point, we could say the Vikings have a better quarterback. So while we acting like it, though, you know, any time my team loses, is a failure. But I'm not going to act like we're supposed to go win this game. Like, the Vikings are, like, trash or whatever. That's a, there's a reason why they won so many games. Yeah, I don't think the Vikings are trash. I think you could make a very strong case, Eddie, that the Vikings do have a better quarterback. They certainly have a more accomplished quarterback, and thanks for the call. Um, Look, Kirk Cousins has had a better career than Daniel Jones, but what's the definition of a better quarterback? To me, uh, the team with the better quarterback is the team whose quarterback plays better today. You know, five years ago and all the 4,000-yard passing seasons and 3,000-yard passing seasons that Kirk Cousins has put up in his career. Yeah, those are factors because you know what he's capable of. 
especially with the weapons that he has, most notably Justin Jefferson, Thielen, Hawkinson, Dalvin Cook. You go on down the line. But is he going to be at his best today? Or can the Giants do something to prevent that? Can the Giants put so much pressure on Cousins? And it's Cousins, right? He's had a very solid career. I mean, fourth-round draft pick from Washington all those years ago was picked the same year as Robert Griffin III when he was the second overall pick. And Cousins was the backup right off the bat. And when you look at the careers of those two guys, you know, RG3 is a pretty good broadcaster, and he's well on his way to a good career in that area. But as far as NFL quarterbacks, Cousins has lapped RG3, and I know injuries had a big part of that. But for a fourth-round draft pick, that's a steal of a pick for the career that this guy has had. So you do have to give him his respect. You have to give this Vikings team their respect. But the Vikings don't have a great defense. The Giants can move the ball on them. And I think the Giants can move the ball on them through the air. Because they did on Christmas Eve. It was Daniel Jones' best passing game of the season. With, and, we, and let, let's, we, I'll bring it up now because we're so used to bringing it up and it's worth mentioning. The Giants don't have a strong stable of wide receivers, but what they do have is good enough. And on Christmas Eve, whether it was Isaiah Hodgins or uh, Richie James, who had a couple of big drops in that game, by the way, or Darius Slayton, who had a big catch and run before the Giants tied the game with that fourth-quarter touchdown, those guys were good enough to put the Giants in position to win that game. Those guys are good enough with Daniel Jones, with the Giants' offensive line. You know, Jones's legs, we know his ability to run and the threat that that presents to a defense, that compensates a lot for maybe the lack of talent in the wide receiving core for the Giants. Daniel Bellinger has gotten better as a rookie tight end. He made a big mistake in that game, fumbling the ball away in the red zone. So the Giants, I think, and you always do have Saquon, right? You go back to that game, fourth down, down 24 to 16 in the fourth quarter, fourth and two. What did the Giants call? They called a draw play to Saquon Barkley, and he took it to the house. The Giants, and this is where Dayball has separated himself from other coaches in the league. He knows where his bread is buttered. At the end of the day, he doesn't get too cute and overthink things. It's fourth and two. The entire game rests on this next play. We need a first down. Hand the ball to number 26. It's as simple as that. But as far as going through the game and moving it up and down the field, I think the Giants can absolutely do that through the air. So you do respect Minnesota. You obviously respect their offense, led by the great wide receiver Justin Jefferson. But you also realize that this is a team that can be beaten. They weren't beaten a lot this year. But they can be beaten. And that's why it is more than a reasonable expectation for the Giants to go into this game and win it. 1-800-919-3776. Pat O'Keefe with you on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show on 98.7 ESPN. Pat O'Keefe with you until 1230 when we have Knicks pregame coverage for you. Knicks are in Detroit wrapping up their two-game road trip against the Pistons. The Red Hot Knicks led by Tom Thibodeau who just met with the media uh, a couple of minutes ago in the Motor City and was asked about the Giants-Vikings game today specifically his counterpart with the Giants, Brian Dayball, their head coach, and Tibbs had nothing but high praise for the job that Dayball has done. Yeah, great, terrific, terrific. I, you know, I, I don't know a whole lot other than I like to watch games. I think he's done a great job, fantastic. And from one coach to another, Tom Thibodeau, a multiple-time NBA coach of the year, including two years ago with the Knicks, Brian Dayball. Uh, most people would agree is definitely a candidate, if not the front runner, to win the NFL's Coach of the Year. And Tibbs is not surprised by Dayball's success. Yeah, well, he's well prepared. I mean, you just, I always like to look at the background of guys and the people he's been around. I think he's, uh, you know, you're really a, a byproduct of all those experiences and people that you're around. And he's been around the best in the game. And he's had a terrific career. So I'm, you know, like some people may be surprised, I'm not surprised. 
You could say the same about Tom Thibodeau and the background of coaches that he has worked under, starting with Jeff Van Gundy, uh, Doc Rivers. They teamed up to win a championship together in Boston in 2008. So Tibbs and the Knicks, 6-1 and one in their last seven games. Uh, they come your way, 12-30 pregame coverage right here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Let's go back to the phones at 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to Tony checking in from the city of brotherly love. What's up, Tony? Yeah, how you doing? How are uh, you? Just calling. Good, how are you? Thanks for having me. Yep. He was calling in to uh, us Eagle fans are going to be rooting hard for these Giants. Uh, I don't know if they can get it done, but uh, they're going to have their hands filled, I think, with Jefferson, Thielen, Hawkinson, Dalvin Cook. The place is going to have about 80,000 fans doing the skull chant. I hope they can get it done because uh, – We'd love to play the Giants next week in Philly, and I don't think it's going to end too well for the Giants next week if they do get by Minnesota. I think Giants fans would sign up for that matchup right now. Tony, so you, as an Eagles fan, would rather play the Giants next week than either the Cowboys or the Buccaneers? Yeah, I would almost consider it like a uh, preseason game. The first time we played them, we had to pull the starters. We put up 48 uh, I think if you look at Barkley's numbers, he only had about 15 yards. The Eagles are number one this year in sacks, and uh, that place will be rocking like they've never seen it before. And uh, I'm praying that the Giants do win today. Go Big Blue. But I think uh, next week, if they do get out of Minnesota, they got big problems next week. Well, they've hardly seen it before. If you think about it, Tony, uh, in the Super Bowl era, of course, the Eagles fans have enjoyed that success exactly one quarter of the time uh, as the Giants fans. So you're you're close to you've never seen it before. So no concern for you. Last week, uh, you had a chance at a first-round bye, wrap up the division, and you played your starters the entire game, and the Giants starters were basically sitting, reading the newspaper, watching the game, and it went right down to the wire. No concern at all from you as an Eagles fan? No, no. I think they just did enough enough to win. And, uh, look, I'm praying that your team wins uh, today. Well, not my team. The Giants. The Giants. Not my team. Yeah, I'm certainly uh, hoping that the Giants do win today. Uh, you, I, I know some people say it's hard to win three times. I'm sure you watched the 49er game yesterday, saw what they did to Seattle. But, uh, yeah, I'm hoping by if we play the Giants next week, by the second half we'll pull the starters and get ready, uh, I think, for the 49ers the following week to go to the big show out in Arizona. But I will be uh, painting my uh, face blue today. Wow. An Eagles fan painting his face blue. Interesting. Well, Tony, thanks for the call. Uh, Be careful comparing your team to the 49ers. Wow. That's a a championship-level organization with talent all over the field uh, that is starting to peak at the right time. The Eagles, I would not at present time put them – uh, in that category. Obviously, Giants fans like Tony from Philadelphia are praying for a Giants-Eagles matchup next week in Philadelphia because the only other alternative is that the Giants are sitting home watching the divisional round on TV. That game would probably, if you think about it, hasn't been announced, but I've got to think if the Giants win today, if you're looking to plan your week next week, I've got to think that that game's going to be on Saturday. Because Fox has a game uh, on Saturday and one on Sunday. The 49ers and the, excuse me, the 49ers, the Cowboys and the Bucks are playing tomorrow night. I don't think they're going to make the winner of that game travel to San Francisco and play a Saturday game after having played on Monday night. So if I'm looking at this rationally, you figure the, uh, Winner of that game plays on Sunday, which means if the Giants win, and this is just from a Giants perspective, because if the Giants don't win, the matchups are different, right? But if the Giants win today, I think you can count on them playing next Saturday in Philadelphia because San Francisco would host the winner of tomorrow night's game. That would be the Fox game on Sunday. That would obviously be the fairest way to do things. All right, we got more to get to. 1-800-919-3776 as the calls continue. Uh, We'll look back on last night's game uh, between the Chargers and the Jaguars. 
that comeback for Trevor Lawrence and the Jags, that historic comeback for the Jags, what it means for the Chargers, one of the most confounding and disappointing teams that we've seen come into the NFL in a very long time. Uh, And most importantly around here, we're getting set and closer to kickoff in Minneapolis, four and a half hours away, Giants and Vikings. Another half hour to play with here on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show on 98.7 ESPN. Cook puts it down. Patterson's kick is up. The field goal is good, good, good. The Jaguars have won it. The Jaguars have won it. They have come back from 27-0 to win the game and move on. How good is that? That was Frank Frangie on 1010XL 92.5FM. The Jags game-winning field goal last night to come back and stun the L.A. Chargers 31-30. to So Jacksonville moves on to the divisional round, uh, most likely to face the Kansas City Chiefs, barring a major upset from either uh, Miami or Baltimore today. Uh, the Chargers are... Look, this is really the only way that it could end for the Chargers, isn't it? This is a team that you you list out the quarterbacks in the NFL right now who you would want leading your team. And there are very few names listed before you would get to the name Justin Herbert. And in two years with Justin Herbert putting up very good numbers. And I'll get to Herbert in a second, all right? But in two years with that guy at your disposal and two – uh, weapons on the outside when healthy, and that's an issue with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And the rest of the talent on that roster, the fact that Brandon Staley last year couldn't even get them into the playoffs. And remember, last year was the first year that the playoffs were expanded from six to seven teams. And then this year, the way that they lost that game, Brandon Staley is not the answer in Los Angeles for the Chargers. And I think we all kind of thought that anyway. The one thing he had going for him this year was the fact that he got this team into the playoffs and for a while last night led 27 to nothing and seemed to be on his way to a divisional round. It's very difficult to get rid of a guy coming off of that. But I think the Chargers are in a position right now. They're in a position because of the quarterback, where they need to strike now because the window to compete and the window to contend in the NFL is not open for that long. You know, the Kansas City Chiefs have won how many division titles in a row? Five or six in the NFC West. Ever since Patrick Mahomes has taken over as their starting quarterback, they are a contender year after year after year. That is an anomaly in the NFL. The Bengals right now, are taking advantage and trying to cash in the best years of Joe Burrow's career. The Bills are doing it now with Josh Allen. The problem for those two teams, and throw Kansas City in the mix, they're all going to end up beating each other up. The Chargers should be closer to that category than where they are. And to lose that game last night in historic fashion, 27 to nothing on the road, the whole game turned around for me. Lawrence had already thrown his fourth interception, and then... The Jags' defense gets a stop. The Chargers have to punt. The ball hits the helmet of the blocker for Jacksonville, and it's first and goal from, like, the six-yard line for the Chargers. And when the Jags came out down 24-0 and kept them out of the end zone, holding them to a field goal to make it 27-0 and then responding with the touchdown from Lawrence to Ingram right before the half, that changed the entire game. That game could have been 31 to nothing going into halftime. Instead, it was a much, much, much more manageable 27 to 7. And it gave Jacksonville some momentum. And give all the credit in the world to Trevor Lawrence because sooner than later, he's going to be in that group of upper echelon quarterbacks. And if you're a Jets fan right now, that's got to make you sick to your stomach because the Jets have everything but the quarterback position. And all of these teams are in the AFC, and none of these guys are old. You know, at least in the NFC in recent years, look, Tom Brady's 45, Aaron Rodgers is 40. Those guys that have been those guys in the NFC for so long, and I know Brady hasn't been there for that long in the NFC, but the last three years he has, at least those guys are in their 40s or pushing 40. There's a shelf life on those types of guys. There's no shelf life on these guys in the AFC. If you're 
a team like the Dolphins or a team like the Jets. Uh, and we haven't even talked about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens because, frankly, I don't think he belongs in that group based on his play and, more importantly, based on the fact that he rarely plays. So we'll leave him aside for now. But this is the way that it had to end for the Chargers. This coach has been ill-suited for this job since he took it over. He came in with his analytics and his recklessness on going for it on fourth down and going for it instead of kicking the field goal and taking points, and it has cost his team time and time again. That is all well and good, but you have to back it up. And I go back to Dayball and the first game of the year against Tennessee. Giants down 20-19. to They score the touchdown in the final minute. Dayball goes for two. It's not just about going for two. It's not just about showing how much guts you have, right? It's about having a plan and following through on that. That's where this coach falls short. He doesn't have a plan. You can't just make the decision to go for it and then hope for the best. You've got to follow through. That's part of coaching as well. The Chargers are in a unique position where they have to capitalize on this young quarterback. And Brandon Staley's not the answer. They have to move on from him. You have to go after Sean Payton. Look what Sean Payton did with Drew Brees, a future Hall of Fame quarterback. And I, I'm not comparing Brees' mentality to Justin Herbert because I know Herbert's still young, but he also seems to lack a lot of that fortitude that it takes to be a professional quarterback, a successful professional quarterback. He's got all the physical tools in the world, maybe better ones than anyone in the NFL, the size, the arm, the ability to run. But he's lacking something as well. This can't all fall on Brandon Staley. But let me tell you this. It is a lot easier to replace a Brandon Staley than it is to replace a Justin Herbert. They need to do it now. I know he got into the playoffs, but sometimes pretty good is not good enough. You can still do better. There's no benchmark that says, all right, you got into the playoffs, so you can't lose your job. That's how teams fall into mediocrity. I mentioned the Jets and their quarterback situation. Let's go to Ira on Staten Island. What's up, Ira? Hey, Pat, how are you? Yeah, I'm it was uh, very interesting watching Lawrence last night. And, you know, if they had not beaten the Rams a couple of years ago, maybe he would have been with us. But it's just amazing that after all these years, and they struck out with Wilson. I don't care what the Jets are saying. He's a bust, you know. And they'll move on from him, whether it's in the springtime or August when somebody gets hurt. He's not going to be on the roster next September. When I see it, I'll believe it. But, you know, the, the things that I'm reading and what I'm hearing, I have concerns of what type of offensive coordinator they could possibly hire. Because the names I'm seeing out there right now, they're all guys that never held that position or maybe held it for a little while and got fired. So, I mean, they got to get a strong backbone offensive coordinator to come in here, and then they got to hope that Woody's money is going to lure one of the two or three quarterbacks that are going to become available. Because if they don't, then pretty much we're just spinning our wheels. I completely agree on the offensive corner. They need somebody in that position. Look, Sal has done a good job with the defense, but he's a defensive guy. He's proven that. They need something on the they, they need somebody as as their offensive coordinator similar to what the Giants had in Wink Martindale. A steady hand who's done it before, who is competent in that position. The Jets need the offensive coordinator uh comparison to that. I agree, and that's going to be a tough sell. I mean, I heard Siminion earlier, he brought up some really good points. I mean, what, you know, offensive coordinator, you know, worth, you know, his, his weight is going to come here knowing that Salah's on a one-year deal. It, it's going to be a tough, going to be a tough guy to find and to hire. They've got to find, and Ira, thanks for the call. They've got to find the quarterback first. I don't think it should be that hard for them to find a quarterback. If I'm a quarterback, I want to come to this team because they have everything else. You got a great running back in Brees Hall. You got a great wide receiver in Garrett Wilson. You have a great defense that's going to always keep you in the games. We said it all season long. The Jets needed average play at quarterback, and they would have been a playoff team. They might have been playing that game last night in Jacksonville if they had average play at quarterback. If Mike White doesn't get hurt, plays the way he did against Chicago, the Jets could have been the fifth seed, or at worst, the sixth seed. So the expectations for a quarterback they bring in are not going to be through the roof. They don't need a savior. Can Derek Carr give them average play at quarterback? Yes. Can Jimmy Garoppolo, if he stays healthy? Yes. 
and those are the names you hear. I think if I'm one of those guys, and I think other names will surface, I think we're going to go through the full gamut here from Tom Brady to Aaron Rodgers to Daniel Jones, all the possibilities, all of them, by the way, better than what they have right now. But if I'm a quarterback and I'm looking at this Jets situation, I, where do I sign? With Woody's money? And I'm like the missing piece, but I'm not, I don't want to be the savior. And this team around me is terrific. It's a terrific team. It's a terrific defense. Look at all the all pros they have. Look at all the pro bowlers they have. If I'm a veteran quarterback, this is the team I want to play on. And then you sign that guy up. You put all of your resources into that offensive line to protect your investment. And away you go. 1-800-919-3776. couple more minutes to preview today's games here on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show on 98.7 ESPN. Make sure you get that app. It is phenomenal. Went on my Sunday morning walk today, getting my thoughts together for the show. Listen to New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Matthias Kiwanuka and Mike Tannenbaum. Got me all ready for my show, which we have a couple more minutes of. Bottom of the hour at 12.30. Knicks pregame. Knicks in Detroit to take on the Pistons. But a couple more minutes as we look ahead to a big day in the NFL playoffs. Super wild card weekend continues at 1 o'clock, it's the Dolphins and the Bills, 4.30, Giants and Vikings. And the nightcap in Cincinnati, the Bengals and the Ravens, with the Bucks and the Cowboys coming tomorrow night to put a bow on the entire weekend. Jordan Renan, ESPN's Giants reporter, joined the gang on New York game day, and he gave them his biggest takeaways from being in the Giants locker room this week. Yeah, I think when you talk to the Giants this week, they thought they should have won that first game, right? They, they look at that game, they're like, man, that was uncharacteristic for us. That What we've done this year is we've made the key plays in the key spots, right? They, they, that's, that's how they've won. Stay close in the fourth quarter, make key plays in key spots. They said if they could focus on the details this week, those little details throughout the week, that that could be the difference. That, that, that's the difference. Like, that's how... They feel they've won nine games this year. Why they're in the playoffs? If that's what they've done throughout the season, it didn't happen in the fourth quarter in that previous meeting. But if they do that this time, they feel like and, and that gives them confidence. That game, let's be honest, they lost. They might have lost, but they look at that and they say, "We played good enough to win." If we take away those miscues, those and really they're uncharacteristic miscues for this team in the fourth quarter. So, I think that's when I, my biggest takeaway from talking to guys in the locker room this week. So he mentioned that Christmas Eve matchup, which the Giants lost on a last-second 61-yard field goal by the Vikings. What should the Giants exploit today against Minnesota? Oh, man, you got to go after that secondary. It's good. The Giants are going to have to hit some big pass plays, right? I, I get it. You want to control the ball because you don't want to get into a shootout. They have a lot of weapons. Their secondary is not very good. Their slot cornerback. Chandon Sullivan is a guy that they took advantage of last time. I'd expect them to do it again in this game. Look for Richie James to be targeted early and often. But you get against the secondary, they're not fast. They're not very good. They've given up a lot of big plays. They're going to have to find ways. And Mike Tosca and Brian Dayball, they haven't gone this way very often this year, right? They, they kind of opened it up in that first meeting against Minnesota, but we haven't seen it much this season. They're going to have to find ways to get the ball downfield. And the most dangerous player for the Giants in that situation is Darius Slayton. So I think he could have some big, really big plays in this game. That's Jordan Renan this morning on New York Game Day. So it is a game six years in the making, and it's a day six years in the making for Giants fans. There have been a lot of low points since their last playoff appearance. And let's be honest, their last playoff appearance was a low point as well. Uh, ben McAdoo was the coach. It was his first year. The whole thing was marred by the stupid boat trip the week before after they had beaten Washington to wrap up their wild card spot. They go to Lambeau. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. has a terrible game, dropped a key third down pass early. You had the Hail Mary at halftime that essentially took all the wind out of the Giants' sails. It's a bad memory. The Giants have not won a playoff game, a postseason game, since winning Super Bowl 46 against the New England Patriots in Indianapolis in February of 2012. That was their last playoff win. Could that change today? It certainly could. All right? Things are lining up for the Giants. 
Uh, offensively, they can move the ball against this team. Defensively, against an injured offensive line for the Vikings, the Giants should be able to put enough pressure on Kirk Cousins to disrupt him, to force him into making mistakes, and hopefully neutralize as best you can the fantastic Justin Jefferson. It's been such a great first season for Brian Dayball, uh, just the way that he has changed the entire culture of this team. If you're a Giants fan, obviously you hope it continues beyond today. But whatever happens today, the fact that this franchise in just one season is back on this path really gives you a lot to smile about for the future. But that's not what today is about. Today is about, look, staying in the tournament. And this is not an insurmountable obstacle for the Giants. There's been a couple of times this season where you wanted to count this team out. Look, they beat Houston on the 13th of November. And then after that, they went more than a month without winning a game. You thought the pixie dust had worn off by them. They were run over by Detroit at home. They lost to Dallas on Thanksgiving where they really weren't in the game in the second half. They had an ugly tie against Washington. They were non-competitive against Philadelphia. But this head coach, despite that month of futility, got them back on track. It's amazing what he has done and what he has gotten out of this team. And now they're at the point where they're not only in the arena where everybody has a chance, but they are playing their best ball of the season and they are as healthy as they have been this season. Daniel Jones has so much more confidence at this point. I heard Mike Tannenbaum say at the end of last show that the Giants might want to franchise him because teams that need quarterbacks are going to line up to try to sign him in the offseason if he's available. Think about that. And it's rightfully deserved the season that he has had. And today, in addition to the Giants' defensive line, I think Daniel Jones is going to be the biggest factor. It's going to be a close game. These teams always play close games. I'm not really in the prediction business, but I'll give you Giants 31, Vikings 29. Enjoy the game. Knicks are coming up next.